Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Haycock. I am a certified and accredited life coach, grief coach, and certified grief educator. And I wanted to create a podcast and a platform for individuals to share their stories of not only the trauma and the loss, and it's not just the loss of loved ones through death when we think of grief, it's any kind of loss. And I wanted to create this space for individuals to share their stories, but not just the story of the trauma and the loss, but the story of how they found healing, the different modalities and tools that they use to not only live their life, but then turn around and help others do the same. I am inspired by all of my guests and I hope that you will be too. So whether you're the griever and you're trying to figure out how on earth you're going to navigate this life and navigate these losses, or you're somebody who is supporting a loved one who is grieving and you're wondering how on earth do I help them? What do I say? What do I not say? I'm going to be interviewing individuals who are going to give you some tools. I will speak to professionals who will be able to give us some insight as well. So vulnerability and authenticity is my jam. And I hope that you are going to find some or all of these episodes inspiring, useful, and authentic and real. So even though we're talking about some difficult topics, there will be some humor, there will be some laughter. I know that's hard to understand, but there is. So let's get vulnerable, people. Hey, my friend. So today's episode is extremely powerful. I mean, I say that about every single one of the episodes. You know, there's individuals who and it's everybody on my podcast who take this really horrible thing that's happened to them. And while it's soul crushing and devastating and try to figure out what the meaning is behind it, it's impossible. And there isn't always a meaning behind it. But what what I say in the podcast about finding meaning after loss means finding meaning in your own life. And this guest, she went through something really difficult to say the least, and then questioned, what do I wish I would have had at this time? And oh my God, there's so many people who have gone through what I've gone through, I thought I was alone and then turned around and served their community. And I'll know that you're going to get a lot out of this episode. And Jen is going to share what it is that she does and how women can get a hold of her. So Jen is a native of the upper Midwest. Jen Burgard is a mom to two living children and one who solely lives in her heart. Her titles include Lost Mom, Living Mom, Wife, Founder, Podcaster, Director, and most profoundly and proudly, Survivor. Upon the death of her second child, she set out to fill a gap in accessibility to resources, support, and community for others who are also experiencing trauma. 
with personal experience of her own and her newly formed network, she launched Haven as a service to grieving parents in and around her region. Today, Haven has touched each of the 50 states with their healing gifts, podcast content, and online grief workshops with a goal to bring awareness and understanding not only to child loss, but our grief culture in general. They are creating and building conversations around the vast landscape of loss. So let's talk to Jen. Jen, thanks so much for being a part of the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show and not only share your story, but share the amazing work that you're doing. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's an honor. Absolutely. It's so good to have you. And I know that you've got a very powerful story. So do you want to just share with us a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, my story, I like to say it starts, um, in 2016, but really that's not entirely true, I guess. Um, you know, uh, I had a daughter in 2014, um, and a couple of years later, we decided that we wanted to expand our family. And so, um, we started trying, uh, for another baby and it took a long time. It took, you know, over a year, I mean, I did all the things. I was like, hey, acupuncture and these weird vitamins off the internet, <laughs> all the things, tracking all the things, right? Um, and so when we finally did get pregnant, I was like, oh, this is it. All this hard work paid off. And I had a relatively complication-free pregnancy, right? I think with every pregnant person, it almost seems like there was something, there was some weird thing that comes up, right? But we were kind of coasting and, um, baby looked good. I had a fantastic OB. Um, we were just, we were in great hands. And, um, the morning I was 39 weeks pregnant exactly to the day. And it was that morning I woke up and I had this feeling, I had a lot of anxiety that morning. And I remember telling my husband while we were getting ready, like, oh, I just, oh, it's just cause I have a doctor's appointment today. And it's just, we're getting to the end. And it's so excited. We are scheduled to be induced two days later. And so we were just going to go do a quick check-in, just double check. We're all good. Um, and as I was sitting downstairs and kind of, we were getting my daughter set up and get, getting her breakfast. I sat down to take a minute because it was, you know, things were getting full, you know, 39 weeks, you're running out of space. And I sat down and I was like, oh, that's better. Okay. And all of a sudden I looked at my husband and I said, oh my gosh, my water broke oh my gosh, I didn't know this happened. That's fun. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going into labor. All right, great. And so I hopped up and kind of ran into the bathroom and it wasn't until then that I, I realized, I was like, oh, I actually really don't feel well. And I was bleeding and, um, you know, having been, uh, I had a baby prior, I was like, oh, this doesn't seem super right, but you know, it can happen. Minutes later, I actually had passed out completely unconscious and woke up to um, my husband and my daughter um, and, you know, called the hospital and we headed right in. Um, once we got there, 
uh, I had a couple people take a look at me and it wasn't until the physician looked and he just said, there's a heartbeat, we're going. And so we went through to an emergency C-section. At this point, I didn't know what had happened. And it wasn't until I woke up, you know, hours, I think later. Um, and um, I, I knew something was wrong and I waited and I asked to see my husband because I didn't want anyone else to tell me. Um, and I knew they didn't want to tell me. Um, so when he came in, he just simply said, we're not going to get to take him home. And I didn't know entirely what that meant. Um, everything was flooding through my brain. And, you know, they said, would you like to see him? And I said, absolutely. We knew it was a boy. Um, and so they brought him into me and he was perfect. He's absolutely perfect. He's beautiful. He's gorgeous. He's great, except he has a bunch of tubes in him, in his mouth for breathing and stuff hooked up to his feet and his hands. And he, it just, so finally, once the NICU doctor came in and explained what had happened, that you'd had a complete placental eruption um, out of nowhere. And uh, uh, we named him Henry. Henry was born um, not breathing, but they were able to resuscitate him and bring him back. And he lived with us for just under 13 hours um, in the hospital. But we knew that was the only time that we were going to get. So, um, you know, I fought every ounce of my exhaustion to stay awake for every single minute and every hour of that. We had family and friends come in and um, and then we left. We left the hospital with an, a car seat in the back, right? That was empty installed with a or diaper bag in the back to a nursery that was completely ready, you know, set up and, and an absolutely devastated almost three-year-old um, who just didn't really get it, but right. Also did. It's complicated. And so, you know, I left the hospital, you know, and, and I think everyone was in shock, right? I mean, the, the nurses that we cared for us, you know, said, we don't know how this happened. We can't believe this happened. We're so sorry. This doesn't happen. You know, so I went home thinking, oh my gosh, did I kill my baby? Right. What have I done? This is my fault. This has to be my fault, you know, and this doesn't happen anymore. Why is this happening? What year is it? Is it 1900? You know what? Yeah. Because that would have happened. I mean, you know, that happens back then, not now. And that message that they just saying that those words that must have just. Yeah. And 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 that wasn't the intention, right? The intention was never to hurt me by saying that or throw me into this loop or, you know, uh, that kind of guilt, that was never the intention, but it happened and it did. And it wasn't until a couple of days later, I really started digging into it, you know, because I'm sitting at home without a baby, right? miserable. I can't get up. I'm healing from a C-section. I've got nothing but time to do what, you know, um, my family's taking care of my daughter. I, I can't clean. I can't do anything. And so I started just doing a lot of research on placental eruptions, on stillbirth. And then I find out, holy wow. I mean, we're talking 22 to 24,000 babies in the U.S. per year per year. I am far from alone. I'm so far from alone in this. And it's devastatingly common. And this is happening to so many women. And not only that, 
that's not even counting all the pregnancies that are lost before 20 weeks. So one in four pregnancies end in loss in general, right? So I was aware of a miscarriage up till 12 weeks, right? And then you call it the safe zone, right? After 12 weeks, but that's not real. There's no safe zone. That's not, why do we do that to ourselves, right? I mean, we don't want to live in fear for your entire pregnancy, right? But should be made aware of some of the risks and the fact that this happens. And if you have a feeling that doesn't feel right, absolutely go in and get checked, right? Rather than this culture, oh, honey, you're fine. You know, sweetie, you're going to be okay. I've had 10 babies. You're going to be, you know, great. That's awesome for you. But that is not everyone's story. And there really is the capacity for us to do better as Mm -hmm. a industrialized nation when it comes to maternal health care. Um, and we're just not doing that. And that, that's so sad. And I've learned that now over the years, right? But those early days, those early, early days, it was just devastation. You know, wow. um, I, and I, I had experienced grief and loss before. I'd lost my father at a relatively younger age. And um, that was really difficult, right? But this this out of order death, as it's sometimes called, right? It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, when you lose someone that was not supposed to, right? That's supposed to outlive you. When you lose someone that is supposed to outlive you, it doesn't make sense. And your body has a really hard time, right? Because our body and our minds are the same thing, right? Has a really hard time coming to grips with that and and processing it and making sense of it. And I absolutely was that way. So, yes. And you want to make sense, like it needs to make sense to us, but it doesn't, there's no way to put it to make sense. So Uh when children aren't, are supposed to bury their parents, Uh parents are not supposed to bury their children at whatever age, like it just does, it's not right. And it doesn't sit right. It doesn't feel right. It isn't right. So when you try to make sense of something that just doesn't make sense, it's so difficult. So you went down this, I I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be just sitting there. And then, like you said, you have this time. So then you go down the route of knowledge, like learning, actually, it does happen a lot. A lot. I mean, it's mind blowing. And so like I said, I had great family. I had great friends and I'm so grateful for that. However, I still felt alone. So what is that? How does that make sense? You know, I, I will never say that my friends weren't there for me or my family because they were, they just couldn't be there for me as far as, you know, really looking at you and you looking at them and saying, you get it, you get it, what this is. Right. And so it wasn't until I made that effort to find other people, right? Um, Once I started discovering, oh, there's this community of people, whether it's online or locally, um, and and you can find others that you just have to try a little bit. And, you know, I took those first super terrifying steps into finding another person um, that had experienced this. And it wasn't until then that I was like, oh gosh, okay. This is it. This is the moment because I see you and you are four years out, right? You've been living with this loss of a child for four years and you are living, you are breathing, you're parenting, you are working, you were maintaining relationships, right? You're doing all of these things. Oh my gosh, I think I can too. 
that that was the first time I was like, this is the light, right? That I think there is a life that exists for me beyond this. Because and that person gives you this hope, right? That yeah. but yeah. they must have done so it's interesting because it sounds like if it's a person or a group of women that mm-hmm. that they're doing it right in the sense that they're holding space for you. They understand what you've gone through, even though everybody's grief is different. And, and obviously your grief is the worst because it's yours, but they must've done something <laughs> so right, right. It is, isn't it? Right. it? But there's something that they must've done to give you that space and to be seen and heard and your grief witnessed. And yet also have the ability to give you this hope. And that is like the sweet spot, mm, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like what I'm feeling is real, is painful, it sucks, it's horrible. I hate every second of it. And yet I can look a little bit to them and go, oh my God, they're they're living. Well, it's validation, right? It's validation totally. on what you're going through and all the crazy stuff that goes through your head, right? I mean, and just when you think about specific experiences, right? Um, they can be just forever etched in your brain. And one of mine is going to Target, right? Okay. Moms, right. We love Target. Um, and of course I spent a fair amount of time there leading up to Henry's birth. You know, I was so excited about the little boys nursery and all the things, right. I, I was going to be so prepared. I had diapers, organizers, all the things I was in it. And um, I've never felt more prepared for a baby, <laughs> truly. And, you know, those countless target trips, it was like this safe place for me, right? Because like there's other moms walking around pregnant, doing their pregnant things. And there's moms with babies in there, probably on maternity leave, right? And um, it was just like, it felt comfortable. And then the first time, and this was in 2017. So we're talking pre-pandemic, right? So um, we can't just have stuff. You can't have your toilet paper delivered, right? So <laughs> someone needs to go buy it. And so we go to Target and my husband and I are sitting in the car and we're like, okay. And I'm like, okay, I think I just need a minute before we go in. And he's like, okay, we'll just sit here as long as you want. I'm like, okay. And I said, the last time I was here, I was buying last minute baby stuff. And now this feels really bad. And it just started like a wave hit me. It hit me so hard. I broke down bawling in the parking lot for 20 minutes, 20 minutes, broke down crying just at the thought of going into Target when the last time I was there, I was pregnant with my sweet, sweet, wanted baby boy, right? And man, and I remember sharing that story with this group of moms, right? And being like, oh my gosh, I, I did this thing. I did this thing at Target. And they all honestly just started laughing and they're like, oh yeah, girl, we have been there. Uh, mine was a grocery store. Mine was the post office. But, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I am not losing my mind. I don't have um, like this ridiculous amount of grief. I'm grieving normally. Yes. This is how you're supposed to feel. Yes. And so that's when the validation came. And, you know, I just, there's something to that. And that shared experience and, and 
knowing that you're not losing your mind, you know, is enough to help too, because part of, I think that crazy grief brain, you know, we talk about the, the stages of grief, right. That's nonsense. It's not nonsense. It just doesn't happen linearly, right. It's all like a big cluster. And so I think about the anxiety I had constantly worrying, am I, am I losing my mind? Am I going crazy? Am I doing this wrong? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it not enough? Am I doing too much? You know, yeah. just second guessing yourself the whole time, along with all the grief that you're trying to process. And how do you, how do you begin to climb your way out of that? You know, and um, it's, it's so true. And, you know, it's grief is such a, it's such a lonely place because even if someone's experienced the same loss, loss, you know, stillborn, it's no one can go with you to that deepest of places, right? No one can really go fully with you. But when you go down there, you know that like someone's going to kind of help you back up a little bit. And it you're right, it's it is such a cluster. And I imagine that having these other women who are further down the road and then probably some who are right where you're at in the same timeline was a level of support that you were, that you desperately needed and they needed as well. And I think, I wonder, you know, these women who are further down the road are still a part of this because they're now helping others like yourself at that very crisis moment. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I didn't recognize that right away, right? Because I wasn't there. I was the one that was in crisis. And, you know, as I think now, you know, I'm just six years out and being able to tell other moms who are so fresh in their losses and just say, I see you, you are free to feel how you feel but know that there is light at the end of this and you don't have to stop loving your child. Right. Um, and that was something that they also, I think reminded or taught me, taught me really, um, that you can grieve as long as you love. Right. Yeah. And, um, that was such a good reminder. And it, it wasn't until now or these last couple of years that I find that peace in, gosh, you know, I, I think I helped her and I think I made a difference and that feels so good. And in a way it feels like parenting Henry, right? That's a way that I parent my son now is by offering to support or help other parents going through this. And, and what, you know, it's hard to describe the feeling because that's just, it's a feeling that you get. And I maybe there's a psychological definition for it, right? But um, something about helping others um, in honor of the the pain and sorrow that you have makes it lighter. Uh, yeah, it makes it yeah. feel purposeful. Yeah, like it matters, and yes. what you're doing matters, and that the fact that because let's be real, um, you know, as a mom who loses her child every ounce of you wants to go with them. Right. Um, I was absolutely ready to leave this earth with him. That was what I would have chosen if I was given the choice. Um, and so quite honestly, finding the will to actually live again is, mm. is not an overstatement. 
um, finding what something. What did you do? What did you, you know, you've got this, this support. Did you, was there anything else that you did as far as like modalities? Did you get therapy? Like what, what were some of the yeah. things that you did that mm-hmm. helped, you know, keep you from wanting to, you know, be a mom to your daughter and your your wife and keep living Mm -hmm. that life. What was some of the things you did, Jen? Some of the things, I mean, of course I did. And I shouldn't say, of course, many people don't see a counselor. I went um, quickly into some counseling, um, you know, twice weekly um, counseling um, to try to navigate some of the feelings. Um, I found that really helpful but also I I think the first appointment I just having no expectations I think is really important because my first appointment I went in there and I just cried because I couldn't say it out loud I just sat there and cried and oddly that felt good (laughs) oddly I was like that's maybe what I needed today you know and there were many appointments that were the same right um and many appointments that I was able to to work through some stuff and process some things, but, um, you know, in the end, it's up to you to do that work and to, to do the grief work and to do the hard thing. And, um, there were books that some amazing friends had sent to me that were actually helpful because, right. As we know, not every book that's written on grief is appropriate, uh, for our, uh, modern day living. And, um, I think, any grieving person does not want to hear, you'll be fine. You'll get yeah. through this. Yeah. Right? Like, no, yeah. It doesn't feel that way right now, you yeah. know? And um, there's so many books that are written with a 20 year old perspective, right? I'm, I'm 20 years down the line. Look on how much I've learned and I've processed and I've, this is wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. Great. What do I do right now? Yeah. And I had this book that was fantastic and a friend lent it to me. It was called, it's okay to laugh. Crying is cool too. And it's a memoir of a woman who lost so much just in a span of six months. And she wrote it because she was in it. She was in the bad stuff. And I just thought, oh my God. And it changed my life. It gave me permission to feel what I was feeling when I was feeling it and live unapologetically about it. Right. And it turns out that that was so freeing Mm. and incredibly freeing because now I stopped worrying about what everyone else felt about my grief and how I was grieving, right? Am I doing it wrong? Am I, right? And I just like washed it away. So I think finding literature and research and things that you can connect with is so, so important. I mean, the one thing I wished I would have done more was journal. Mm. Um, and I encourage everybody to do that now is to pick up a pen and start writing because you have so much to say in those early days, right? You, you were, Your feelings are just rushing at you. You have so much to say and nowhere to put it write it down. Because my other advice is that if you write it down, you're going to be able to go back and look at that three months later, six, a year, six years later, and say, look at how far I've come. Like, and until you can really get inside your head from the past and look at it today, that's the way that you see progress and you see growth and you see purpose and all of this. And then you can even instill a sense of pride in your own self for how far you come. And that's a powerful tool. Oh, it Um, so is. And the evidence, it's like seeing the evidence. It's like, we want so much to 
see progress or see the evidence, but when you're in it or you're just living your life, you don't see mm-hmm. it until you look back. I, I am not a journaler in the, I've bought so many journals. In my <laughs> we life. all do. They're so cute, I mean, right? And <laughs> there's such good looking journals out there. <laughs> two pages, you know, and I find yeah. it like 10 years later when I'm like, oh yeah, cause I'm going to leave it for my kids. And then I don't, But what I did do was started writing. I started typing, started blogging, started Mm -hmm. writing into putting things in word documents because I could type easier than it. So I get exactly what you're saying that it getting it out, whether you share it or not, is not the point. It's all about you. It's such great advice. So you went you, you found it was it, like you said, you have to do the hard work. So you went and you dug deep and you found the support, the books, the, all of the things that you needed. And I'm curious. So you say I'm, you know, years down and I'm helping others, but, and can you share with us what Mm -hmm. it is that you are actually doing to help others? Oh, I love to share. Yeah. Um, so I took all of these things that were helpful, these helpful resources, these tips I'd learned, these, um, these, uh, organizations I've found and, you know, uh, even Instagram pages and, you know, all of these things. And I was like, why, why can't women and men frankly have these things right away? Why can't there be just something that says, oh my gosh, you went through this horrible thing here, here, this is the good stuff, right? Like, why can't it be easy? Everything is so hard already. You know, what can, what can you do, especially as a friend trying to support a grieving parent? What can you do? You know, because a lot of the really good friends will Google what to do. (laughs) Those are the great ones. Um, But they wonder what to do. And so I was like, well, what if I just eliminate that barrier? And I was able to give all of these parents the things that I cherished and I loved and they had it right away. I mean, things as simple as, you know, a journal, a book that was helpful, right? Um, I teach, I, I speak about a gift that was given to me, which was what's called an adult coloring book, right? Just really intricate drawing pages and then markers because your hands are free and you're bored and your maternity leave turned into bereavement leave. And what are you going to do? So just little things like that. It's like, ah, you know, some self-care encouragement, all of these things. Why can't they just have that? And so I said, well, I could do that. I mean, I know about all these resources. I can pull them together. I can put them in a box or something. And so I did and um, delivered the very first gift by hand, showed up on this uh, family's doorstep on the eve of Christmas Eve of 2017 which was the same year that my son passed away. And um, I still laugh because it was in a canvas tote bag and I had ironed on the, <laughs> the label onto it, burned it wholly, <laughs> but it was there and the intent was there. And this family received these gifts in their grieving and their really tough moments during the holidays. And they were able to take that information and use it and, um, I'm still friends with that family today. And, um, after that, you know, the, the gifts started, created an online form for requesting them and started shipping them out. I did like, I don't know, 20 or something the first year. Uh, but then after that, it quickly escalated and 
you know, we're over now 200 gifts a year that go out to these families. And it's grown by at least 30% each year. And what's great is once these families receive this, um, this ever-changing collection of items, right, um, they're also invited to participate in the community, right, this community of what we call Haven. Um, And within this community, we are hosting events um, in our local area, as well as another uh, community just about six hours south of us. But we're hosting these events where parents can get together and uh, do things in honor of their, of their kids and share about their kids, love them out loud. And that's really because it's a nod to what was helpful for me in the way that I went to a traditional support group where we all sat in a circle and said, hi, my name is Jen. This is my horrible story. Next, you know, and then you went around the room and then you got a few minutes to chat. Like that was really, really great and a good starting point for me. However, I found that we find more natural organic connections with other people when we're in a more natural and organic environment, right? So how do we meet really good friends, right? We're we're in a class together, you know, we're experiencing something together in real time, right? That's how we find organic chemistry for lack of a better phrase, you know? And so why couldn't we create these events as a super safe way for these parents to step back out into the community again? I talk about my first outing to Target that was a monumental catastrophe. What if there was an event that these parents could go to, be surrounded by a bunch of other lost parents, and if they cry, it's fine. Crying's encouraged, you know? Um, Laughing is fine too. No one's going to say, oh, you're laughing too hard. You just lost your baby, you know? It's just that community of support. And so hosting so many events throughout the year, and then... um, in October, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance and Awareness Month, uh, we also host a gathering so for parents so that they can come and honor their kids. And we have photos and candles and all sorts of great things, um, live music. Um, and that really, you know, year over year, uh, we began in late 2017. It's 2023 now, I guess. And, you know, we pivoted in uh, 2020 to some uh, virtual self-care series and things like that. Um, but now we're hosting retreats as well. So uh, we do a retreat for moms specifically uh, where they can come and spend a couple days with us. And we bring in professional mental health care practitioners and a variety of other providers to kind of lead them through some really intentional time for healing, for uh, for learning, for rest, right? Because I think I think back to what I really needed um, to grieve properly was time and space. I think mm-hmm. time and space is something that really needs to be given. And so if we can provide that time and that space, right, away from your work, away from your, you know, your other responsibilities, like your family and your friends and your children, honestly, you need that time alone for yourself. And so how do we create that? And so that's what we did. Um it's truly a transformational experience, I believe, because every time I'm there, every time it is, it's, I take something out of it every single year uh, and something transformational and I leave with something I'm working on personally. And so um, yes, just because you're, last, always yeah. gonna, you're always wanting to learn. You're always wanting to grow, right? It's not like mm-hmm. I'm done, you know, like we said earlier. <laughs> I'm all set. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it is, amazing work that you're doing 
And it was what you needed. And you said, this is what I needed. This is what I, and I'm sure that there's other women and, and men who need these same things that I needed. And then you create it. And what I love about it is, is that it just not only honors Henry, but it honors all the other babies. You know, they, they, when you went there on Christmas Eve, it was like your child exists that, you know, I know so many, not so many, but I know friends who have lost their children at whatever age. And when they get the Christmas card, that child's now, they didn't, someone didn't put the child's name on the Christmas card. It's like that kind of acknowledging the fact that your child exists and this is a huge loss for you. And here's what I'm doing in honor of the baby, your family. I mean, it's, it is so powerful. And so your organization is a nonprofit organization. Is that right? And it's called it Haven. Is. It's called Haven. Yes. Um, it's called Haven. Uh, we are located at havenmidwest.org. Um, you know, any other thing that we are also doing, which is sort of how I got connected with you is we are hosting a podcast. So um, the podcast is called Landscape of Loss. Um, it's available everywhere. And the podcast really focuses on um, pregnancy and infant loss. And we are sharing stories of parents who are uh, living through grief and living through loss, but also perspectives on surviving grief. So um, also talking to other practitioners and providers and um, what tools they can offer um, to those families, because not everyone has the ability and um to go and seek out mental health resources, right? We know that in this country, that's very difficult in, in any country probably, right? Um, and so we wanted to offer something that could meet them where they're at again, right? Uh, yes. You can just simply find a topic that that means something to you or is interesting to you, um, even from something so small and intimate as lactation after loss, for example. That's a whole other thing that's so difficult, Right. Who, how do you Google that? How do you, yeah. what do you, what kind of information are you going to get? And so we bring on an actual amazing lactation consultant and she walks us through it, the whole thing, right? Yeah. In detail. So you are able to get valuable resources and information that you need and you deserve to have and yeah. at no cost to you, right? That's the other thing. Just, which is absolutely yeah. amazing. And obviously, I will put all of your details in the show notes because no doubt there will be women and men listening and saying, or they know somebody who right. needs yeah. your service. So it's not yeah. always about that person listening. They may see the title of the podcast and go, oh my God, like I can't, I just can't listen. But their yeah. friend is listening or their loved one is listening and go, oh my gosh, here's Haven. You need to mm -hmm. contact them and here's their details. So it's, it's such a important message and one that I think we need to hear even though it's really difficult and I always want to share that that you talk about that hope that light at the end of the tunnel so to speak that that you can learn how to survive your grief and live and live fully. I always say like you can live fully and you can grieve fully all at the same time Absolutely. and helping others. So it's so, 
it's such a, you know, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for going, do you know what others need this? And I think that that is so powerful that you and your husband doing this for the community. And I imagine that it should just go worldwide really. So, um, so anyway, thank you so much, Jen, for just sharing your, your story and your time with us. You're absolutely, you're so, so welcome. And thank you for what you're doing. I agree. I just think shining um, a bigger and brighter light on grief and um, how we all survive it and how we can all do better, right? It's so powerful. It's amazing. So thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. It's my pleasure.